Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, and I have two special guests here today. We have uh, Paul Seymour. Hi, Paul. Hello. And Jason Jackson. Hi, everybody. I was just thinking that uh, I don't think the three of us have ever done a podcast together. Nope. We have not, as as far as I can remember. I'm a little nervous. I'm not sure I've ever been on with Paul. (laughs) I don't think I have either. But we have essentially three elders, so this better be really good. This uh, this podcast. <laughs> What's essentially three elders yeah. mean? Essentially, mean? <laughs> by title. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, kind of like three elders here. Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> no, this should be good. This uh, Jason, you you preached on Sunday was a really really good message out of Ezra. God help us repent. Yeah. Which that just that word repent is a powerful word, a, a strong word. Um, looking forward to this discussion and what that looks like in our lives and uh, personally and also in our church. But Jason, why don't you give us a quick kind of overview of the message and then we'll kind of dig in. You had th- you know four points there, so let then we'll jump into those four points. Yeah, thanks, Abe. Uh, repentance, confession, it's just a really difficult thing to, to, to think through for our own selves. And, and then as Ezra showed us uh, in Ezra chapter 9 on Sunday, as you think about it from a, from a people or a nation or a group standpoint, and we typically push away from confession and repentance. It feels, it feels difficult. It feels, um, it feels very vulnerable, and uh, it, it is vulnerable, but there's an amazing gift in that, and uh, God pulls us really, really close when we say what he says about us, and when we admit it and we recognize it and we fall into his arms of ultimately forgiveness, it's just a really special thing. And so as I was walking through it in the previous weeks to the message, it just helped me understand that I have not, um, I've really not opened up the gift of confession nearly enough in my life. Uh, it's absolutely something that I have pushed aside um, because it felt like uh, I was admitting sin, which it is. And the irony of that is that God already knows that, and he said, I love you anyway. So yeah. it feels feels like we shouldn't do it because it feels like it's it's knocking away at something that we want to hold on to. But when we let go of that and give it to God, um, he already has it anyway. Do you think a lot of people bristle at the fact that you just call that a gift of confession? I would never have thought that until walking through it in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. In fact, it's not, it's not um, original with me. I read somebody else that talked about confession is the terrible gift mm. or terrifying gift, actually, <laughs> um, because it is terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. You, even, you know, we'll get into this maybe in a little bit, but confessing things to each other, it's terrifying to, to open up and to say, this is, guys, I got to tell you this, this is what happened in my life this last week. And I'm, ashamed or embarrassed or afraid of how you're going to respond. And if we're brothers in Christ and we respond the way Jesus wants us to, then we open our arms to each other and there's consequences for sin and stuff, but we forgive and we and we move on. And that's the gift. It's terrifying because we aren't sure what's going to happen. That's such a Christian worldview change, isn't it? To, to think of things in, those, in that terminology, like this is a gift. This is not something to run from. This is something we've been given to better us. Yeah, uh, both ourselves personally and our church. Yeah, and it it's draws good. us closer to to Jesus. That that's I mean, who wouldn't want to do something that really 
grows your faith and draws you closer to Christ. Mm. Well, that's what we say we want to do, right? Mm. So confession actually, the relationship's never completely separate between us and Christ once you're a believer, but it restores the rift that seems to be there from the human side. And so confession, repentance especially, pulls us back into connection with Christ, and uh, why wouldn't you? Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great question, Paul, because I think we we were even talking about this this morning in our elder meeting mm-hmm. about confession and repentance. It was really good. It was really healthy and just, I mean, it was humbling and makes you pause and just think about your relationship with the Lord. But what? why is that the natural response as a negative, you know, confession, repentance comes across as a negative, and why do... Why do we, why does the church seem to, you know, lean away from that? It's not a, it's not a norm, I would say. Like, why is that? What's at the, what's at the heart of that? Just in general. I was actually thinking about that after our elders meeting a little bit. Um, it was essentially uh, an elders meeting. Essentially, essentially it was elders. <laughs> in the, sort of. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Everyone was an elder, so essentially it was a meeting of elders. <laughs> no, I was thinking back to, um, well... <laughs> no pun intended, the genesis of this. Yes. In Genesis, you know, if you think about the original sin, you know, the yep. dis- disobedience of, yep. of Adam and uh, disobedience of Eve, and what, what did they do? Yeah, they, they tried to cover it. They hid. Yeah. yeah. They hid, and that, yep. was the, that was the original reaction to sin, and, you know, your sin being known was to hide and to run, yeah. not to give it up. Yeah, that's a great point, and it's a good answer to the question, why do we not lean into confession? It's because we're ashamed, embarrassed, we feel guilty, we're trying to cover. We don't want anybody to, to see the real us when it's when we're full of sin, right? We want to put our best foot forward. We're always trying to make ourselves seem better than we really are. <laughs> and so as soon as right. I say, hey guys, I messed up yesterday or whatever, it, it feels like now you're better than me, and I don't like that, mm. right? And I, I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit vulnerable in that moment, or a lot vulnerable, and and I'm, I'm placing myself underneath what I want you to think of me, or maybe even in a comparison, I'm now I'm behind you guys, because I've said something that makes me feel less than you, and the, of course the Christian irony here is that it draws us closer to each other, and ultimately it draws us closer to God. But I I, I read somewhere the other day that. Um, a healthy church doesn't have less sin, it has less secrets. Mm-hmm. So we fool ourselves when we think that we personally, and because we're part of this church, that our church has not much sin in it. Let's just admit it, let's just confess it, right. and let's be a healthy church that repents and, and takes drastic actions to defeat our sin and, and moves on with each other. And doesn't that, if there was a culture of repentance in Insiderville Church or any church really, but a culture of repentance, it, you, you somewhat lose that... Uh, the stigma. The, 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 the stigma of the other person. I, I don't want to confess because I'm going to out myself as not as good as that person. That's right. When another person is already confessing as well, it's yeah, like, oh, right. okay, we're all kind of screw-ups here, yeah, <laughs> but right. we all have grace in Christ. And so that's, I think that's a real value in, in a culture, uh, making that the norm as opposed to something we run from. Yeah, and, it, and as elders... In, in our role, it's even, I think it's even more so like we've got to, you know, we can't admit we're wrong. We can't admit that we're struggling. We can't admit oh, because people yeah. are watching us and we're supposed to be the example and we're supposed to be above reproach, you know? So I think it, I think for us three personally, it, it is sometimes a struggle 
to do that. But then it almost reminds me of like, you know, your kids, you know, you want our, you want your kids to ask for forgiveness and <laughs> seek forgiveness or repentance. And yet we, we as parents maybe don't do that as much as we should and show them that what that looks like. Um, but I, I think it is, I, I have had guys come to me and ask for forgiveness or confess sin to me and, and their, their response has been, man, I, you probably think less of me. Mm. And mm. I said, no, yeah. I think the mm-hmm. opposite of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I have way more respect for you. The fact that you humbled yourself, the fact that you would share that, the fact that you would come forward and say something about it. I respect you more, which is just, I think Satan just messing with us and saying, if I, if I, if I bring this to the light, you know, I want to stay in the darkness. If I bring it to the light, it, it's going to, it's going to ruin me. And in fact, that's the opposite of what usually happens. Yeah. And I'll take it one step further. I, I resist asking you how you really are or what's really going on in your life because <laughs> I'm afraid that you're going to ask me the same thing uh-huh. and I'll be tempted to cover something up or even to lie about it, right? Mm-hmm. So that that really creates distance between relationships. And maybe it's especially guys. I don't know how this works for women necessarily, but I, I am reluctant to dig in deep into your life because then I'm opening myself up for you to do the same. And I know the sin in my life but I like to pretend it's not there. So if I don't ask you, then maybe you won't ask me, and we'll both keep walking side by side pretending that we're perfect. Yeah, and the irony of that is, though, that when you do ask him and he opens up, then you're actually more comfortable to open up yourself yeah, because right. that that stigma is that's gone right. of this guy's perfect. You know, I, I'm I'm intimidated by by perfect people. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> well, because they're lying, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, you know, the, I'm more... Um, drawn to and you, you talking about as elders as leaders right i know that i'm more drawn to and willing to follow not someone that has never succumbed to something mm-hmm. but someone that that has fallen and has fallen on the grace of god and and risen back up and obeyed and overcome that i'm i'm drawn to that person right we're all drawn to the the overcomers right we're not drawn to the people that have never had any difficulty and <laughs> never struggled with anything and I said this before, maybe even on this podcast, but even in my my realm of of ministry and music here, there was a Sunday several months back that everything sort of went haywire in the songs, like two songs in one of the services, and I had lost my voice, and the technology was messing up and all that stuff, and I was just like, oh man, I'm so bummed because this all just went sideways, you know? And it was the one service, like all these people are coming up to me like, oh, that was amazing, because what we did was, <laughs> yeah. we we're just like, hey, you know, in essence, we said, Hey, we're not perfect. Some yeah. things went wrong here, but we're going to do the best we can because we love worshiping together. And people were like moved yeah. by that, not because, Oh, that was a pristine service. And, you know, the guitar was amazing and the lights were perfect and whatever, you know, none of yeah. that mattered. It was, Oh, something went wrong and you got back up and, and did something and, and followed through and just worship through it anyway. And so there's, that's where the power is, and that's the deception of you know the, the, that power is somehow that I'm the perfect person that has it all together all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So let's let's take this a little bit farther. This is something that I've been thinking about and just contemplating when it comes to the confession and repentance. But how when when we don't confess, when we don't repent, when we say we've got it all figured out, we kind of keep things hidden. How are we? taking away from the true gospel and what the gospel means. And we haven't discussed this or anything, but I mean, I think we're, 
we're short selling it, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow we're we're saying it's not, we don't need it or we don't really believe it because maybe just talk a little bit about that. Like where, where are we, what are we missing out on? Yeah. Because you said like, you know, it's a, it's a gift in a sense. It's a, it's really a good thing, not yeah. a negative thing. I think it goes back to what Paul referred to earlier in, in Genesis, the very, very beginning of the story, you know, Adam and Eve sin, and then God comes along and they're trying to hide from him. He knows where they are. They, they can't really hide what they've done. And he says, what have you done? And it comes out. And then you have the, you know, the, the, the word is the proto-euangelion, basically, the first mm-hmm. gospel, the, the first um, instance of the good news, which is referring to Christ, ultimately, uh, who would come in the New Testament. If we don't have sin, then we don't need the gospel. The gospel is really good news because sin is really bad news. So mm-hmm. if the question is, how does the gospel and confession relate or repentance relate— if there's no sin, there's no confession. If there's no sin, there's no need to repent. There's nothing to repent of. But the fact that we sin means that we have to have the gospel. It's it's such good news. I, I think I said something on Sunday about, you know, until you get real about your sin, you won't actually have real joy. Yeah. Well, you won't feel that real forgiveness or the need for the gospel either unless you see your sin as really, really major. And for me personally, that's like... I, I do this not often enough, but like picture myself at the cross, nailing Jesus to the cross. I know that sounds kitschy or cliche or whatever, but every time I lie, every time I have a prideful thought, every time I, you know, look at something I shouldn't, that's that's what nailed Jesus to the cross. That's why I need the gospel. Yeah, yeah. I think in, in terms of the impact on the gospel or our witness for the gospel, I was just thinking of Colossians. We were just joking earlier that, you know, when pastor does these podcasts, you know, he just knows the scripture right offhand. And I had to really think of it and look it up here, but (laughs) (laughs) Colossians chapter three talks about, um, bearing with one another in love and it's, it says forgiving each other. And it's talking about unity in the church. And it's, it's about, uh, the, the little subtitle of chapter three in Colossians and most of our Bibles is put on the new self, Mm -hmm. you know, which of course has to do with putting off the old self, but, it's an illustration of the the gospel change mm-hmm. is is repentance and and you know when we bear with one another you can't bear with one another unless there's something to be born right yeah. there's not that not something to deal with there so we all have issues and things that go on so when we bear with with each other in love and we forgive each other and we we put on kindness and clothe ourselves with all this fruit of the spirit it speaks to the change in in your life and that is that change is not you know, present by and large in, in unbelievers, those, those fruits of the spirit. And so when the outside world sees that it gives credence to the gospel, uh, again, not because there's perfect people in the church, it's because there's sinners in the church that are, uh, that are putting off the old and putting on the new by the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the resurrection, which of course is the gospel, mm-hmm. right? That, that is, is an illustration or gives us hope that we can say no to sin, that because Christ conquered death and the grave, we can say no when we're tempted. Without the resurrection, what what hope do we have? Mm -hmm. It's never happened before. Oh oh my goodness, Jesus rose from the dead conquering evil, Mm -hmm. so so we can too in our lives. Mm -hmm. gives us hope. Unbelievers, people that don't know Jesus as their Savior, that that hope is out there, but it's not a personal hope for them. They haven't experienced that. Yeah, that's really good. 
I was reading this last night in our men's community group. We were talking about the message and confession and, and Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. The one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Then verse 14, blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Mm-hmm. And I guess for like, you know, the people listening to this, there's obviously people listening to this who are in sin, have are hiding it, have hardened their hearts. I've been there. I'm guessing you guys have been there. Mm-hmm. But like what you said, you know, you don't find true joy until you get real about your sin. Mm-hmm. How have you guys seen that in your own lives as far as just dealing with sin, confessing it? You know, maybe maybe take us through that gymnastics in your mind of Satan mm-hmm. saying, no, you're fine. You don't need to deal with it. It'll go away versus dealing with it, bringing it to the light, confessing it. Because I think there's people listening to that. They're, they're thinking, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. The ramifications and the outcome of this could be catastrophic mm. by me bringing forward something or repenting of something. So how have you guys seen that in your own life and how has that, maybe how has that gone on in your mind and what's the games you play and then realizing, man, no, this is really good. First thing that comes to mind for me, just off the top of my head, and, and it, it, you, you said something about, you know, people are saying what kind of catastrophe is going to come down if I confess this, right? I think the right, that's the wrong question, really. The right question is what kind of catastrophe is going to come down if I don't, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was thinking a, a, a scripture that Jason uh, brought up this morning and was essentially an elders meeting um, <laughs> <laughs> was was uh, Proverbs 32, and he's talking about is David, of course. Psalm 32, yeah. Oh, excuse me, Psalms, thank you. Proverbs essentially, yeah. It's more like Psalm 32. I deserve I've misquoted that. verses on here several times. <laughs> Psalm 32, what excuse me. What does Proverbs 32 say, actually, Paul? You should look that up because Let's that go could go be a good moment here. Oh, well done. <laughs> no, but Psalm 32, um, which is David, of course, right? Uh, verse 3 says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me my strength was dried up as the heat of summer so i mean that's just an example of there's consequences of not confessing of of holding on to that of of uh, you know keeping keeping that inside so to speak and I, I talk with pastor kurt a lot especially in counseling circles you know your your sin concealed um it's sort of like uh it's sort of like when you shake up a bottle of pop right the pressure just builds and builds and builds and builds and pretty soon like it has to go somewhere, right? And I think that's part of what this Psalm 32 is talking about. When I kept silent, when I kept it bottled up, when I refused to confess it, it was actually affecting him physically, right? And so that's where my mind goes. Um, you know, and I've talked at length before about the the issues with, you know, panic attacks and stuff that I've been through. And one of the, one of the original versions of that or episodes of that um, was definitely like, I... I was, uh, the, the sin was I wanted to be in control mm. and thought I was and w- refused to humble myself in terms of like, um, I, I'm weak in this, this particular situation that was going on as a medical situation with my family, but, um, I wanted to keep the, the game face on and, mm. and make sure everyone knew that I was the pastor that was in control and I was the dad the, that was in control and the husband yeah. and nothing's phasing me. I'm just, you know like a rock you know like that song that's what i wanted to be and but i wasn't for real but i was kind of putting that on 
And uh, I remember I was going to a pastoral counselor when I was dealing with all these issues, and and uh, and, and we basically you know uncovered that I I wasn't trusting God; I was trusting myself, you know, and and myself was very very untrustworthy. And so the 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 confession I had to make was, God, I don't trust you. Mm. I'm trusting myself. And that was a hard thing to say or write or you know even say out loud. Now it's like, man, you're a pastor, and you you know you thought that, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I got into that place, but, but confessing that, you know, in front of that counselor and in, in front of some others, it was like, okay, I, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all held together, but I have the grace available to me in Christ to fall on his grace. And in my weakness is when he is strong, not in my, not in my strength, not in my holding it all together. It's my weakness. His, his strength is perfected in those times. And it was a, a time of learning, but it was a time of, of release too, right? That I didn't have to hold it all together. And when I was willing to confess my sin and, and be who I am in Christ, right? Uh, then he was, he showed himself strong in my life. Yeah. That release, that's a good word. I, I was thinking as you were talking, Paul, not confessing, living in sin and pretending it's not there and not confessing it mm-hmm. to the Lord and to others. It's, it's sort of like putting yourself in prison and somebody offering you the key between the bars, right? And you just continually say, no, 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 I prefer to be in this cell. But but there's so much freedom outside of this. Just use the key. The key is confession. The key is forgiveness. No, I, I'd rather stay here. I mean, you're, you're putting your, you're chaining yourself up when you don't confess. There's so much more freedom in the confession and ultimately the repentance. Confession is saying the same thing that God does. Repenting is turning away from what you've done in sin and, you know, defeating it and moving moving on the other direction. So I think there's a, there's an imprisonment that we put ourselves in uh, over and over and over again when we don't confess, we, we just wake up that way. And when we confess, there's freedom. The truth will set you free. Say what God says about your sin. Call it what it is. There's truth in that. He's offering you the key. Oh, you know, Use it. Open up the bars. Get out of there. Be who God made you to be. What would you guys say to the person listening who they're in that spot. They're thinking about like, I need to, I need to confess it. I need to, I need to go to that person. I need to go to my spouse. I need to go to my kids, go to my parents, whatever. How do they, how do they, how do they do that? How do they go about that? What's, what does that look like? Just practically, what does that look like? Yeah. I, I think if it's a, if it's a spouse relationship, you know, husband and wife, you, you have to tell the truth, but, what what could happen is that you open up the floodgates and all of a sudden you overwhelm your spouse with all this stuff that you've never told her, right? We we want to tell the truth and we want to confess. I, I'm just saying be be really careful about the timing and be really careful about how you express those things and don't drop the dump truck on your spouse of, you know, by the way, I've never told you any of this stuff, but here it is. And then expect her to just open up her arms, you know, a husband confessing to expect her to open up her arms and say, oh, my goodness, I forgive you. You know, nothing's going to change. <laughs> we are still human. And so when you hear some of those things, there's going to be a reaction. Now, mm-hmm. with 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 Christ, there'll be forgiveness and there'll be a, 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 a restitution of that relationship hopefully sooner rather than later with that spouse or with that friend or whatever. But I think you have to give people time to assimilate what you've just told them, especially if you don't have that kind of relationship with them normally. 
if you've never confessed, if you've never been truly authentic about some of this stuff and you go and just dump it on somebody, they're going to need probably a little while to just sort of process what you just said. Mm-hmm. And it's not their fault for not all of a sudden, you know, being in tears and wrapping their arm around you. <laughs> That's not probably a common reaction if you've never had these conversations. I think part of it, too, and I agree with what Jason's saying there, that the dump truck approach is probably not the best uh, approach here. But I think, you know, taking small steps initially, yeah. if, if you're if you're sitting there thinking, you know, I need to um, be that man, be that woman that, that is a confessor, that is a repenter, um, I'm thinking in terms of even just like families, right? Just start making that part of your family culture. Mm-hmm. We talked about, you know, church culture a little bit ago. Um Start confessing the little things, right? Um, I, I'm sorry, I got upset with you. You know, I, I flew off the handle there a little bit when we had that discussion about the chore earlier, whatever it was, right? I flew off the handle a little bit there. Would you please forgive me, right? And then just start being that guy, being that woman. And and as, as that culture becomes a culture, then, you know, the other, the bigger things can flow freer. Um, so you don't have to just back up the dump truck and, and let it go, yeah. but be a confessor and start confessing little things and let the big things uh, come when, when God shows you the moment's right. Yeah, that's good. M- make it part of your culture and your conversation. So, mm-hmm. you know, say, I'm sorry, right away when when the Holy Spirit convicts you of something or when, you know, whoever it is that you're in relationship with says, hey, I'm not sure that that came out the way you thought it came out, or I'm I'm mm-hmm. not sure if we're on the same page here immediately just an i'm sorry an apology not fake but but get it out there quickly and make it part of your regular conversation then the big things don't seem like such big things right yeah and i think part of the conversation too we we have our our kind of our family around the dinner table after sunday what did you learn yeah. what do you remember from the, yeah. the message and one of the things we were talking about was your illustration with the the mice yeah right <laughs> Was it rats? The dead mice. The dead mice. It's real wildlife. <laughs> real wildlife. Yeah. <laughs> but we were talking about that analogy that you used with the the stink. You know, where's the stink coming from? And you had to just tear everything out and uncover it and toss it, you know, out into the woods. And we were talking about how that, you know, just like our just like sin, you know, that stink is not just affecting you. Yeah, that's right. right. It's it's smelling around you too. Yeah. And so the idea that that we can hide sin indefinitely is a myth, yeah. right? Because scripture even teaches us that there, there's nothing that's covered right now that's not gonna be brought to light and your sin will eventually find you out, right? Um, so better to obey uh, in in the short term rather than drag it out and let it get stinkier. You know, it's the, the thing pastor always says is the more you drag it out, the more you drag it in, yeah. right? Or in another way of saying, the longer you let it go and keep it covered and don't throw it into the woods, the stinkier it gets and just keeps ruining everything around it. The irony is we we don't smell our own stink, right? We get mm. used to it. We tolerate it. <laughs> and we think, well, this is, this is how everybody smells, isn't That's it? Good. That's true. And then yeah. you have somebody else come into the house uh, and they say, whoa, what in the world is that smell? Oh, you smell that? I didn't, I didn't, I haven't smelled it for months, you know? Gone nose blind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why we need friends. That's why we need yeah. community. That's why we need authentic people in our lives that we can sit around with very, very often and they can say, Hey buddy, you're starting to smell a little bit. Oh, I am? I didn't yeah, I didn't realize that. Thank yeah. you for letting me know. Yeah. Well, I appreciate guys like hey, Babe's a guy that he says, you know, hey, 
tells it like it is, right? And and he's loving about it, but he brings it brings it out into the open and challenges you on stuff. And that's the people that you need. Those are your real friends. Those are the people that really love you. Yep. Yeah, I think I was talking to a guy the other day, and we were talking about you know somebody did something to him, and you know he kind of went back. They're both kind of at odds with each other. And, and, you know, and I, I have seen this before in my own life too, where, well, they did me wrong. So that's okay for me to like hold that against them. Right. You know, and we were talking about, yeah, but we're not responsible for their, their heart. I'm responsible Mm -hmm. for my heart and how I respond. So like whether, you know, if I go to you, Jason, and like, well, you did something to me, like I have to own a hundred percent of my sin in the situation. I I can't control what you're going to do with it. But man, before the Lord and before you, I have to come clean. I have to confess it. I have to deal with it, right? And you have to deal with it on your own side too. So I think that I think we can play that game of, well, I don't have to because they didn't do it. Yeah. You know, they didn't come to me first or whatever. And they actually they were like ninety percent of the issue, and right. I was only ten percent right, right. of the issue. Yep. So forget it. You're on your own. You know, which is not good either. We need to we need to deal with that. So. We talked about, you know, how to go to somebody. What about receiving that from somebody? So somebody sinned against you and they come to you and they say, hey, Paul, uh, I need to confess something to you. What do, we, what do we do in those situations? Do we beat them over the head? Do we bring up all the details? Do we just cover them in grace? Do we just give them a hug? What, what's their response when people come to ask for forgiveness? As you were talking, I was thinking about... Um our men's group, um, Tanner, our producer here today. Don't worry, I'm not gonna make you talk, Tanner. He's looking at me like, oh boy. <laughs> he's a faithful guy that puts these things together, but he's in our men's group and we did, we talked about the parables. We went through a bunch of parables and the one that came to mind was Matthew 18, uh, talking about the the unforgiving debtor, mm. right? He was forgiven, mm. just to paraphrase, he's forgiven a large amount by his master. His master sets him free and then he goes and another person that comes to that comes to him and owes him money says, oh, please forgive me. And he won't forgive him. And he throws him in, in, in prison until he can repay it all. The master hears about it and comes back after him, right? And so I, I think the first thing that you do to your question is that you remember what you are forgiven. Like remember how much you have been forgiven. Um, by no means was that a small amount in the parable that the person owed. Um, yeah. But in comparison to what the other man was forgiven, it was right? So you start there and it puts you in the right frame of mind to say, I've been forgiven so much. I need to look like Jesus, right? And forgive as I have been forgiven. Um, I think when you put yourself in that place, um, it puts you in, in the place of um, a, a grace giver because you've been a grace receiver, right? That's, that's the first thing that comes to mind just to follow that example. Remember that first. I think there's two ditches that we can fall into uh, when someone comes to us and confesses something. One is to downplay it and to say, ah, you know what? That's not really that big of a deal. It's Mm. okay. Mm. Everybody does that. Don't, don't worry about it so much. You know, you're beating yourself up too much. That's, that's, that's not handling confession well. Mm. You know, I'm thinking about all the times that Jesus called sin what it is when he was dealing with sinners, the adulterous woman, right? You know, she's she's there in the in the dirt, and he's drawn in the sand. And uh, okay, wh- whoever's out there without sin, you th- you throw the first stone, right? 
of course, they all drop their stones and they walk away. And he says, okay, he looks at the woman. He says, now you go and sin no more. He didn't say, see, what you're doing is okay. Nobody judges you for it. Not that bad, right? Everybody does that. So he says, go and sin no more. This is sin, Mm -hmm. but now turn away from it and don't do it again. So Jesus called sin what it is. The other side, the other ditch is to is to just hammer somebody and say, "Yeah, that's exactly right. That was terrible what you did. Oh my word, I can't believe you did that. And I want to know all the details and I want to know your plan for not doing that again and I want to well, hang on a minute. Let's just be compassionate and and recognize that this is a human being with the heart and they're they're coming to you doing yeah, something <laughs> very difficult. Yeah, humbly. Yep. And so don't downplay it and don't overreact to it. It's really difficult. It could also be a you know a cause for celebration, you know, in, in in if you have a kingdom view, right? This is this is another brother or sister in Christ that's obeying the king, yeah. right? And and making things right and making harmony within the church and within the kingdom of God. So it's a cause for celebration too to say, yeah, it it w- that was hard. You did hurt me. Uh, I forgive you it, because of the blood of Jesus. It's done. It's over with. And praise the Lord that we're in this place and not where we were five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Yeah, that's a great point because we don't often we don't often view it that way. Mm-hmm. But we should be we should be celebrating that more. Somebody recognized sin, they dealt with it, they humbled themselves, they went, they reconciled. That's a really good thing that we that that is growth. That's more like Jesus. That's the, that's an illustration of the gospel yeah, right there. We exactly. get to do that because of the gospel. And I I like that, Paul. You can bring it back around to the especially if this is one of your kids or, you know, a friend that you have. Well, boy, the reason the reason why this is such a big deal is because of the gospel, because there is forgiveness, because Jesus did die for sin. Sin exists. That's why Christ died. But he rose again, too. That's why we can celebrate forgiveness and, and victory. It's not original with me. That's in the Bible. You know, we talked about the <laughs> <laughs> we talked we talked about the parables. One of the ones we talked about yeah. was the prodigal son, right? Yeah, what did yeah, the yeah. dad do? Yeah. Ran to him yep. and embraced him. Yep. And he didn't say, You did this, 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 and this, and here's what's gonna happen. He what was his initial reaction? He uh, celebrated yeah, that's interesting. the return of of his son because he loved him and um was unashamed to to celebrate that repentance. So we should do likewise, I think. But listen, this doesn't happen right away, but in the long run, if you love that person, you say, okay, how, how can I help you, if possible, set up gates, guards, steps, mm. so that this doesn't happen. We, we reduce the risk of this happening again, right? Because you don't want to just say, you know, if somebody's struggling with porn, you don't say, ah, that's not a big deal, or yeah, that's right. a terrible thing, but here's another magazine, or here's my phone, and then here's the password. You know, see if you can see if you can say no again. Right. You know, you, you say, wait a minute, we're in this together, and so let's come up with a plan here, and I'll help you, and you help me. It's a great time also to confess something that maybe you've been going through, not to make them feel better about themselves, but to say, yeah, by the way, I'm I'm uncovering here too. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. What yeah, what are those triggers? How did you get there? Yeah. Where you know, you got there by small steps or whatever. Um But don't jump right to that. See, I, like that's yep. that's my thing. I I always want to say fix it. Fix okay. It, yeah. Yes, you're forgiven, but how how can we fix this yep. so that this doesn't ever happen again? Well, why don't you just sit down and be quiet for a little while <laughs> and let the other person like soak in the forgiveness yeah. and and then later yeah. on come back and say Hey, what if we had a conversation about 
this not happening again and some things that maybe community people could do to help me, you know, how are we praying differently? How are we confessing early and often? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just don't make it a checklist automatically. Jason, you're the community group guy around here and in a, in a perfect world, this would be happening all the time in community groups. I don't think it is, unless you would say... Other than in yours. No, it's not. <laughs> um, but how, how does... I guess from a community group perspective, how does, how does this... How do we take small steps towards this being, like you said, Paul, the culture where it's not uncommon. It is common. It is part of who we are and what we do and what goes on around here. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think we have to be an example of it, first of all. And actually, Pastor Pat is, we are, we do have a culture of authenticity here. Maybe not to the depth that we're talking about, but there isn't, I don't think there's that like squeaky clean, everybody right. walks around here perfectly. Yep. Um, there is a sense that we we do sin and we do confess and we do repent and that yep. doesn't change the relationships that we have. And with we've heard other. that from people. I, th- I think that's true, right? Yep. So we have to keep being an example of that, but but not just from the pulpit, not for not just from the stage, not just from emails to the church body or whatever, but actually like in in our own families and in our, in our own uh, community groups and with our neighbors and everything else. We have to be the primary, the first, the um, the the quickest to confess. And I think when we do that, and it's not as a show, it's not as a you know I'm doing this so that you will follow me in this. It's a, it's a genuine, authentic... It's what Ezra did, right? I mean, he wasn't doing anything as a performance so that people would come out of the woodwork and say, hey, by the way, we're, we're confessing here too. He was just completely broken. He Like, he couldn't help himself. He's pulling his hair and his beard out and ripping his clothes and stuff. I mean, he's like face down on the ground. Not that we have to be that expressive every time, but we have to be that authentic and that repentant every time. And then to help people understand that, um, that that's how we experience freedom and joy. And that's what they need as well. And when we do that, I think people will follow that. And it's for their good and for the good of our church. So I would say in community groups, and Paul said it even in his family, I, I think it's a really good idea to say, hey, are, are there things that are, are there things that are um, adding to a long list of things in your life right now that you need to confess? And I don't know that that happens as much in mixed groups or mixed gender groups. It's probably better to sort of divide off into, you know, men and women separately. Or if you're a men's group, then you can do it. A women's group, you can do it in front of each other. But it's probably best to do it for the most part when you're in, you know, men with men, women with women. Yeah. But to make that a part of our rhythm in our conversations and in our community. You know, it's we used to call it accountability, right? It's accountability sort of got a bad rap and nobody really means what it is. It's, right. it's basically, did you read your Bible and did you sin and people lie and all the rest of that? <laughs> you <know? laughs> in but, your group, I guess. Not well, in our, of course not in your we're, group. Our, ours are all very true. We just don't do it in our group because we know everybody's not going to tell the truth. <laughs> but that's what we're talking about here. It's looking at each other in the eyes and saying, like, hey, when I say, how are you really doing? That's what I mean. How are you really doing? Yeah. And as a leader, being okay to say, my goodness, I struggled this week with such and such. There's an old uh, basketball term that I've had coaches use in the past on basketball teams, and that's extra effort is contagious, mm-hmm. right? If you have a, 
a lackadaisical team, you know, that's just kind of going through the motions or something. It usually takes one guy to to dive for a ball or sprint back on defense or whatever, using the sports analogy. That done consistently becomes contagious. It's like, man, look yeah. at that guy. I, okay, yeah. I guess this is what we do, yeah. right? And I think that's true in this sense too. If If that extra effort is being the guy maybe the guy or the girl for a while yeah that's the one confessing yeah pretty soon it becomes like well it's that that person can do that maybe i can do that too hey this is what i'm going through you know that so just something to keep in mind i think that's true in that sense too that ex, the extra effort is contagious you start doing the right thing consistently enough people will do the right thing with you so i, I love that what if it's what if it wasn't surprising when we confessed right, to yeah. each other? What right. if it wasn't surprising when someone got up front on Sunday or around your community group circle or in families or if husbands and wives or kids and parents? What if it didn't surprise us anymore? It, it would get to that place when we said, well, that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. So there are things around here that don't surprise us, right? What if confession was one of those things? Yeah. I'll give you an example of the before I, I came here, just in circles that I was in, it wasn't a common expression, although people meant it, but it wasn't just a thing for someone to say, praise the Lord. Yeah. Right. So when I got here to Sailorville, it was like, people, wow, people really they say praise the Lord right. a lot around here. <laughs> and at first it was just sort of like, well, I didn't grow up kind of rolling that way. And so I was a little bit timid to say that. But then I realized this is just how it goes here people are praising the lord in the moment when something cool happens or something you know someone tells them something cool praise the lord yeah you know and now it's just like for me now it's second nature to say those things um which is just an example of like make it the culture and it becomes this is how we roll one one more thing about this like this is how we roll this is who we are i i'd like our men to lead in this i think i i think that would change our culture when men begin to do stuff like this, when men confess, that becomes part of our culture. Mm-hmm. When men see other men humble enough to be authentic and real and confess and then repent, all of a sudden, families follow, wives follow, kids follow, single men follow other single men. This this becomes, this is who we are when you see men. And I'm not just talking leader men. I'm saying when this is our culture, I would love to see it start with men. Probably several of our women are saying, please, please, would you just be honest about what's going on in your life? That's more true than people realize that when the men lead in in things like going to church or even when there's statistics out there about the the statistics of whole households, whole, whole households coming to Christ as a result of the man in the house coming to Christ, it's astronomically higher than just if. Sure. The wife comes to Christ or a child comes to Christ. So there is something about that male leadership in, in the home and in the church that is profoundly effective. And so I'm glad you are throwing that gauntlet down. That's a good challenge for us all to think about. Yep. Yeah, let's let's do final thoughts here. Jason, thanks for this message. I think it's really good. It's really good discussion. It's really good questions to ask Um and I guess my question, and, and I was challenged with this, and I, I think I've shared this on here before, but, um, you know, we were in an elder meeting. We asked somebody, when's the last time you asked for forgiveness? And I thought, man, I hope somebody doesn't ask me that question because 
I was having a hard time asking that or like coming up with an answer. Like when's the last time I did that? And I think for, for me, for in this topic, I, you know, I think the question as you're listening to this, you know, when's the last time you confessed sin to somebody? I mean, just you sat down and said, listen, because I'm not that good. I'm not that holy. I'm not that got it all together. I mean, we all have sin issues. We all have things that we're dealing with. And I think I'm self-deceived a lot of times. Like, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as Paul, you know? I mean, hey, Paul. <laughs> you know, but that that's just how we justify it, which is like what you said. You got to have somebody come into your life and say, yeah, I don't, I think you're off. I think that's, you know. So anyways, I guess that's my challenge to everyone listening is just when's the last time you confessed sin to somebody and, and why? Why? Why has it been so long? I think those are some good heart questions. So, Paul and Jason, final thoughts? I was just thinking of the back to Psalm 32. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about this morning, but we, we talked about this, and it's it's this, you know the, the song of David here, and it's talking about forgiveness. But it, uh, verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And it tells us this, Be not like a horse or a mule, without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it, uh, or it will not stay near you. Um, just to have the understanding in these things, you know, it's it's one thing to to say or challenge someone to be a confessor and, and be a forgiver, right? It's another thing to understand how important this is and obey. And um, that, you know, scripture is telling us here, don't be like a, a horse that has to put a piece of steel in its mouth to, to be led to, to be made uncomfortable um, to get where you're going um, follow follow the Lord's lead with understanding in this in this matter and see uh, that he is faithful mm. um, to deliver on his promises and that you know f- forgiveness as and, and confession as a culture in our church could radically transform um, mm-hmm maybe even people that are just kind of sitting in the cultural Christianity, the what Jason refers to as kind of Midwest nice <laughs> Christianity, right? Where everything is just sort of normal is that what we do, uh, just go to church and be nice, but uh, into real actual life change and families being reconciled and people coming to Christ because they see actual uh, forgiveness and repentance and the gospel on display in people's lives, you know? Let's have that kind of understanding and that kind of um, following of Jesus. Yeah. Psalms 26, 2, test me, O Lord, try me, examine my heart and my mind. Sometimes I don't even know how bad I smell. I got to ask God, Lord, would you show me? Would you, would, you, would you reveal that to me? Because I want to be in right relationship with him and with others. And hiding it doesn't work. It's still there. It's eventually going to come out. So I think the final word would be ask God to reveal those things to you. And when he does, confess them because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then this Sunday, you know, in in chapter 10 of Ezra, it's these drastic measures to defeat sin. Don't just confess it and then stay there. You've got to move on to defeat that sin. And And sometimes it has to be drastic. It's good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate this conversation. It's really good. I could 
we could go on for another hour probably, but thanks for your thoughts. And those of you who are listening, hopefully it's been an encouragement to you. Exactly. Yeah, thanks. Exactly. Praise Lord. Yeah.